was read in our scripture reading this morning, John 15, 5, Without me, ye can do nothing. I'm afraid that there are very few of us within the church today that have any idea of how helpless, how helpless we are in this battle with sin when it comes to matching up with the requirements of God. Did I say helpless? Well, that is exactly what Christ is trying to tell us when he clearly stated in our scripture, without me, ye can do nothing. And I would like to illustrate that. Some years ago when my father was nearing the end of his life, he became totally helpless. He could do nothing for himself. I remember having to feed him with a spoon as you would a little child. I remember holding the glass, tipping it up to his parched lips, holding it so a little water would trickle in and not too much at a time. He could not hold a glass for himself. And it's difficult for me to describe how he deteriorated, even after these many years. I bathed him. I gave him shots of morphine for his pain. It was hard for me to understand. Here was a man that I had known from my boyhood as a man of steel. He could do anything. He would attempt to build anything. Nothing would ever stand in his way. And now, there he was laying in bed as a helpless adult baby. He could do nothing. And this is the condition that we face, brothers and sisters, as we face the problem of sin. And if I haven't painted it clearly for you, I want to make it a little worse, if you will forgive me. For to us helpless individuals, Jesus comes along and he tells us, in fact he commands us, be ye therefore perfect. Now that may seem unreasonable to us helpless individuals, that a loving God would have, shall I say it in kindness, the nerve to tell us that we have got to be perfect. You remember he said, even as your Father which in heaven is perfect. Why? Because Jesus knew that someday we were to live with him. We were to be his blood family. And in his house, it is holiness. It is so holy that even the angels, we are told, when they repeat his name, veil their faces. You know, we talk of God in sometimes even in a joking way. I'm serious this morning. God is more holy than our minds can comprehend. And when it comes to holiness, we are to someday live in a city that will be sinless. That's an experience that you and I have the least idea what it's going to be like. 
And furthermore, we who have been sinners in this life, we have been promised someday, one by one, we are going to sit on the throne of the God of this universe, who is more holy than our minds can comprehend. We're going to sit on his throne with him. And that is why we are told in the scripture that we are to be holy. It says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking through a few of the other scriptures, it says, Paul states in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, that we are to perfect holiness. And in 2 Timothy 2, 3, Timothy said, continue in holiness. And in the book of Titus, it's so clearly written, it says, in behavior. Now that's the way we live every day. In behavior as becoming holiness. And then we turn and we read it from God's last day prophet, these words in education page 18, higher, higher than the highest human thought can reach is God's ideal for his children. Godliness, godliness, God-likeness is the goal to be reached. Now, if I know anything about human nature, there are some of you here this morning that said, well, Brother Nelson, I came here to find courage. I came here to go away feeling good about myself, that the road to heaven is easy, and all I have to do is believe. And, and, and I just can't somehow take this kind of preaching because what you are saying is beyond my abilities. All I want to do is hear about the love of God. You're getting too serious for me and I'm about to leave. Now just hold on for a moment. I have an answer for you this morning. If the devil has been putting those kind of thoughts within you, you know the devil attends church. When you read in the spirit of prophecy where he sometimes doesn't want you to hear something and he pinches the baby and he cries. Listen, we are dealing today when the devil is here to put thoughts in your mind as God is trying to put thoughts in your mind. So listen, you have already forgotten if you have these thoughts of my text. For my text, Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. The very text that I read is a promise of help. The very text that I have given to you, which tells us that there is the divine power of God available to make us perfect. Let me read something. I hope that you never have the thought, I hope that the devil never puts the idea in your mind that we have a God who, well, let me read it to you. Ellen White said in the Atlantic Union Gleaner on May 20, 1903, speaking to those who had thoughts that God was harsh, that God was somehow making it impossible. Listen what she says, and I'm quoting, who would tantalize 
you by requiring of us an impossibility. And then she says, never, never, she repeats it twice, never have such thoughts in your mind that that's the kind of a God we have. When God tells you to do something, brothers and sisters, he will give you the power to do it. And never forget that. So let's become serious here in our thoughts when we preach about today perfection. Remembering that if we will turn to God, he can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. I'm reading from Selected Messages 2, page 32. We may have Christian perfection through the sacrifice made in our behalf, sins may be perfectly forgiven. Our dependence is not in what man can do. It is in what God can do for man through Christ. Don't you like that? You know, that's something I can relate to. I, I can't do it myself, but with God helping me, I can do it. That's what it's telling me. When we surrender ourselves wholly to God, I'm reading, and fully believe the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. The conscience can be freed from condemnation. Through faith in his blood, all, no, that's not just a preacher. That's not just your wife or your husband or the elder of this church or the superintendent. It says, all may be made perfect in Christ Jesus. And then comes these wonderful words. We may claim sanctification. We may enjoy the favor of God. For we are not to be anxious about what Christ and God thinks of us, but about what God thinks of Christ, our substitute. Now, I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, if that doesn't give you a smile on your face, something's wrong with you. That ought to just thrill you with the joy when you think of what our Savior can do for us. Now, it's true that finite beings will never, never be equal with God. You know, the devil tried it once, but he failed. Godly perfection is held out before us as the goal that we are to reach and to imitate in our sphere. Now you're going to hear that word sphere a number of times and keep it in mind this morning. But if any of you are tempted by the devil to take the position that the exhortation of Matthew 5.48 to be perfect even as God is perfect, that it doesn't apply to you, for it's impossible for you to overcome sin in your life, then I ask you a question, then why do you even try? Forget it. If our God, who is so merciful, is asking us to do the impossible, then why try to overcome sin at all? You see, this is what leads men today into thinking that God is going to save us in our sins. And that's a damnable 
doctrine. Now as we look at ourselves this morning and see that there is nothing good within us, we read in John 17, 23 that Jesus, and I'm quoting, can make you perfect. And we read also in Hebrews 13, 21, God will make you perfect. And that's a wonderful promise. You know, we ought to be filled with praise that we who are so helpless, God is not expecting us to do the perfecting by ourselves. He's going to do it for us with our cooperation. Perfection, sanctification is an ongoing process which comes by the power of divinity. And as long as we shall live on this earth and even into eternity to come, we will be perfecting characters. Now that is a brand new thought to me. It was only about four weeks ago that I ran across this in the spirit of prophecy and I'm going to read it to you. But to leading up to that, let me read from manuscript 38, 1899. Sanctification means perfect love, perfect obedience, entire conformity to the will of God. We are not perfect, but it is our privilege to cut away from the entanglements of self and sin and to go on into perfection. We shall never enter the gates of the city of God until we perfect a Christian character. If we will trust God, strive for sanctification, we shall receive it. And then these words in heavenly places, 186. Make every effort in and through the grace of Christ to attain to the high standard that is set before you. You can be perfect in your sphere. There's that word again. As God is perfect in his sphere. If you work to advance toward perfection, making constant improvement until you are pronounced worthy to receive immortal life, and then even then the work of progression will not cease, but will continue throughout eternity. You know, I had never thought of that before. Perfection is something that we will attain to throughout eternity to come. Therefore, keep this in mind. No man, no matter how righteous he may become in this life through the power of Christ, no Christian will ever claim to have attained perfection in this world. No matter how much progress we make, there will always be an infinity beyond. You remember Paul? Remember what he said in Philippians 3.12? Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, 
said, I haven't reached that yet. But there's one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that should be our daily aim in our life. You see, perfection is a character quality. And we are not to judge our perfection. That is a prerogative of God only. He alone has the right to judge human character. I want to, I want to instill something right here into your mind. You remember the thief on the cross? He was so wicked, not only in stealing, but he was joining those, as you read in the spirit of prophecy, in which they were murdering, though he didn't do it. But he was running around, he was an evil character. And when he was nailed to the cross, he cursed Jesus Christ with the other thief, on, the other murderer on the cross. He was wicked, but as he looked at Jesus, as he saw his sinlessness, as he saw his holiness, as he saw his purity, he realized that he was the Son of God. And there on the cross, he gave himself to Jesus Christ, and he was only there for three hours. But in those three hours, he perfected enough character that Jesus Christ said, you're going to be with me in paradise. Now you think that through. I'm not talking about something that cannot be attained. The thief could attain it in three hours. And Jesus said, you are going to be with me in paradise. That's the kind of a God we have. He's a God that wants to take you and can change you if you totally surrender to him. That's why I say we are not to be concerned about our own judging our own character. And we should not be judging the character of others. We should be looking at holiness and perfection just as God told Israel of old, Leviticus 11.44, Be ye holy as I am holy. You know, one day a young person, a young boy by the truth of the matter is, read this and he turned to Ellen White and says, explain that to me. And I want to read to you what she said and found in Testimonies 1, page 663. The work rests upon us to perfect holiness. When God sees us doing all that we can on our part, did you get that? You see, there is a cooperation here. There is something that we are to do. It says, when he sees us doing all we can on our part, then he will help us. And angels will aid us. And we shall become strong through Christ strengthening us. Do not neglect secret prayer. Pray for yourself. Grow in grace. 
advance, don't stand still, don't go back, onward to victory, courage in the Lord, my dear boy. And I want to tell you that's something every one of us can do. That's not the impossibility. This is something that God will do us in. The angels are there to help us. The Almighty God is there ready to help us. You see, holiness, perfection, sanctification have so much in common that really they are almost, shall I say, synonymous. But to obtain them, there is something we must do. Repent, exercise faith, surrender, obey, and cooperate. We cannot manufacture a holy character. This is a gift that God will give us. In the book Heavenly Places, are these words, Christ-likeness in us is a grand truth. Then she says, and I like this, I am not merely a thing that God loves. You know, people say, I love my house, I love my car. I am not merely a thing that God loves, made to be left for the sport of Satan's temptations. I am a child of God, begotten into a lively hope, big with immortality and full of glory. We are to dwell in God and God in me. God in us. Isn't that what our scripture was this morning? I am the vine, ye are the branches. If we abide in then God can do these things for us. I am a child of God. We are to dwell in God and God in us. Purity in us is like purity in God. Love in my heart is a living principle, like the love in the heart of God. And all the treasures of heaven are at my command, because I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I want to tell you, when I read these things, I feel like praising God. This is the kind of holiness that is inwrought. When I mean inwrought, I mean it's part of the, it's woven into the fabric of our lives. It's a part of us. As Sister White says in Testimonies to Ministers 446, holiness must be inward in our character. And again in Evangelism 370, holiness to God is through Christ Jesus. And this is the key. Holiness, Acts the Apostle 51, holiness is not rapture. It's not a feeling. It is an entire surrender of the will to God. It is living by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. It is doing the will of our Heavenly Father. It is trusting God in trial and in darkness. That wonderful Sabbath school talk we had this morning by our sister. Give me courage. What is it? In darkness as well as in light, 
trusting in God. It is walking by faith, not by sight. It is relying on God with unquestioned confidence and resting in his love. That's how perfection is attained. You see, what we need to understand is that sin and righteousness are opposites. They are incompatible. Character perfection is incompatible with known sin. You see, there are those today who would teach that you can sin a hundred times before breakfast and that you don't lose your condemnation before God, that you are still justified. And these are things that are coming from Babylon. We must recognize today that we lose our justification when we sin. And we must ask God to give us victory over sin. You remember David when he committed adultery and then murdered. Don't tell me he was still justified before God. For weeks, for months, we are told, he was struggling. He recognized that he was under the condemnation. It was not until he surrendered anew to God and asked forgiveness. It was then that he became justified in Jesus Christ. You see, perfection is a relative quality. Perfection, sanctification, holiness, these are big words I know, and love are relative qualities. They are developed like corn grows. And I'm sure you've all seen corn. Whether you take that little blade that's just sticking out of the ground, or whether you finally watch it as it develops into a stock, or whether you see the tassels coming and the fruit appearing, each stage is different, but each stage has perfection in that state of its growth. And never forget that. As we look at perfection in this way, our spiritual vision of perfection will never be clouded in our everyday living as the corn grows, so day by day we can grow in perfection from the hand of the Creator. Would you like to know how Ellen White felt about perfection in her life and what she did about it? Well, let me read this to you, Manuscript 900, 1906. She said, you are born in God and you stand under the sanction and the power of the three holiest beings in heaven. She said, when I feel oppressed, perhaps you never thought of her, she was human, just like you and me. There were times when the devil came in with discouragement, there were times when the brethren would not take what she had been told from the word of God. She, in her own feelings, became oppressed, and she said, I hardly know how to relate myself. But what did she do? She said, I just call upon the three great worthies, 
and say, you know I cannot do this in my own strength. You must work with me and by me and through me, sanctifying my tongue, sanctifying my spirit, sanctifying my words, and bringing me into a position where my spirit shall be susceptible to the movings of the Holy Spirit upon my mind and character. And this is the prayer I make that every one of you can make. I tell you, it's simplified. Don't let the devil give you an idea that gaining perfection is impossible. It is within the reach of every one of us here. God has promised. Did you know how she said, I, I, I go to the three great worthies? Or in, she says, the three holiest beings in heaven. Listen, you've got God the Father. You have God the Son. You have God the Holy Ghost. With all the innumerable angels of heaven, everyone at your command. For God stands back of every promise when he said, Be therefore perfect. He wants to help you to be perfect. Again, I read, As God is pure in his fear, this is again taken from sons and daughters of God, no man is to be pure, so man is to be pure in his. For if Christ is formed within the hope of glory, he will imitate Christ's life and reflect his character. You can see this when you think of it in the terms of the two spheres. So let us never forget the penitent thief on that cross who had been converted for just three hours was perfect enough to go to heaven. And we will see him it should give us courage. It should give us hope today. In that book that I may know him, on page 302, through faith in his name, he imputes into us his righteousness. And it becomes a living principle in our life. Who puts this into us? Ourselves? No. He puts his righteousness into us. God imputes to us his sinless character and presents us to the Father as though we had never sinned. Isn't that perfection? And this is why in Selected Messages 2, page 32, we are not to be anxious about what Christ and God think of us, but what God thinks of Christ our substance. I want to tell you, I feel like saying hallelujah, and I'm not Pentecostal. I want to tell you, I think we ought to be praising God more and more in our lives for the victory and the help that he wants to give us. What blessed assurance. But there must be cooperation, and that's where so many in the church don't like to hear what they ought to do. They just want God to give it. While our salvation is wholly dependent
dependent upon Jesus. I'm reading Signs of the Times, February 12, 1894. While our salvation is wholly dependent upon Jesus, yet we have a work to do in order that we shall be saved. The apostle says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good work. The work that we are to do is not independent of what God is to do, but a work of cooperation with God. So we have something we are to do. Maybe I should say it's a joint venture. The part I'm reading in God's Amazing Grace 3.19, the part that man is required to sustain is immeasurably small. It's just, just so little. But when you think of what God's going to do, it, it, it's higher than your thoughts can reach. It says, yet in the plan of God, it is just that part that is needed to make the work a success. You see, this teaching of perfection should never bring sadness to any of us, it should bring joy. It should bring hope. It should bring to us an experience of excellency in Jesus Christ, because in cooperating with Christ, we shall indeed develop perfect characters. But I want to add, it's not easy. In Christ's Object Lessons 3.30, Christ has given to us no assurance that to attain perfection is an easy matter. Then she goes on, a noble all-around character is not inherited. It does not come to us by accident. A noble character is earned by individual effort through the merits and the grace of Christ. God gives the talent, God gives the power of the mind, we form the character. It is formed by hard, stern battles with self. Conflict after conflict must be waged against hereditary tendencies. We shall have to criticize ourselves closely and allow not one unfavorable trait to remain uncorrected. And so there is a battle. Every day it's a battle and a march. Let no one say, I cannot remedy my defects of character, for if you come to this decision, you will certainly fail of obtaining everlasting life. You will, if you will not, then you cannot overcome. So put your will into the hands of Jesus and determine that you're going to do these things. We need to be thinking not of some special time when we are to be crucified. She says the time to be crucified is just now. Today, we are to pray every day, fill my cup. You know, in my travels of Africa, and I was there four different times for the church, 
I know what it is to be in parts of Africa where they are only dependent on the rain. There's no spigot in the house that you can turn on the faucet. It's what rain you can collect from the roof or what rain you can have in a bucket. It fills very little downpour. And she says, keep your vessel clean and right side up so that God can pour into you the Holy Spirit. Always at that song, I love to hear that song, fill my cup full. Fill it up, Lord. You, you know the word? We should be praying to God for this divine power that makes it possible. And when it comes to sins in your life, don't be like so many people that have the cigarette habit. They say, well, I'm going to stop. I'll smoke one less today. You know, it never happens. I'm sorry to say, but not so long ago, I've been working with a lady who was baptized 15 years ago into the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm sorry, I'm not condemning who it was, but they should have never been baptized because they never gave up smoking. And for 15 years, she goes week after week, month after month, well, I'm going to smoke a little less today. I, I'm going to not buy so many cigarettes when I go to the store. And she's still smoking. I want to tell you, if you're going to get rid of sin, get rid of it now. Not little by little. Listen what she says. Are you ready to make the surrender now? You are to put away your sin right now when you see it. Make no leeway. leeway that you are going to overcome by degrees. You are going to try little by little to give up sin. Now, while it is today, heed the invitation, harden not your heart. Oh, my soul, why not leave the cursed thing today? I will tell you, if you know and the Holy Spirit has revealed to you that there is sin in your life, get rid of it now. God can give you victory instantly. Remember, God is ready to help. Desire pages 123. God is reaching for your hand of faith to direct it to delay fast hold of the divinity of Christ. How did Christ overcome? Christ overcame. Well, let me read it. Message to the young people, 165. Christ came to show men how to obey, how to keep all of the commandments. He laid hold of divine power. And this is the sinner's only hope. That's where I got the title for this sermon. Jesus has exactly what you need. He gave his life that he might be a partaker of divine nature. That's why he says, without me, Ye can do nothing. The divine power of the Almighty God is available to us and can give us victory and perfect our characters that someday we can sit on his throne. I want to leave you this morning with this one verse. 
found in Heavenly Places 227. It has brought me more courage, and I hope that it will bring courage to your heart this morning. Don't become discouraged. Reach out, take the hand of Jesus, the divine power. Live today. Live for the moment. Here is what she said. If you are right with God today, you are ready if Christ should come today. You know, I, that almost brings tears to my eyes. I can do that through Jesus Christ. Like the thief on the cross. He was ready on the cross and he was ready for heaven. Brothers and sisters, if we will just reach out for this divine power today, we can be ready today if Jesus will come. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, what a gracious God you are. Every provision has been made. Oh God, may not one of us be lost. Help us to reach out for this divine power that is available, the power that made Jesus able to overcome every temptation. Grant us, Lord, this same power in our life. This week, may we gain victories as never before. May we prepare through thy power to be ready to meet Jesus. We ask in his name. Amen.